here's the tip to anybody going out there thinking of putting this as part of their business model. Whoever you put out there has to be consistent, helpful, and consistent, and helpful, <laughs> and consistent. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt Rouse and Jeremy Marcotte. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Jeremy Marcotte. I'm here with Matt. Say hi, Matt. Hello. And today we've got two special guests. We have Josh Tompkins from Dick's Auto Group. Hello. And we've got Adam Michaud from New World Industry. Hi, guys. Hello. Let's see, you guys are full of energy today. Right, everybody's on it. top of it today. On top of it. So today we're going to talk about how community involvement can help improve your sales. It's true. Okay. Good talk. Thanks Good for talk, coming. Everybody. You guys have a great day. That's a wrap. Thank you, guys. Yeah. This was fun. Perfect. I'm, I'm glad you are here and glad you enjoyed it. So let's talk about it. How are you involved in the community? What is it you do? Let's Actually, let's start with Josh. Josh, what is it you do? Yeah, awesome. Uh, so uh, I am the business development manager for Dick's Auto Group here in Hillsboro. We have five car dealerships, employ over 300 people. The business has a, a deep, rich relationship with the community in Hillsboro. Uh, with the Boys and Girls Club, Shannon and Scott, our current owners, and Dick, the founder, I have been just really, really involved for a, a really long time. So part of our business model is having people represent them in the community, and that fortunately is me now. So yes, we're very active in the Chamber of Commerce. We do a lot of things like the Tuesday Night Market, a lot of sponsorships out there, and just being present sort of is part of our family and culture and, and business model at Dick's, and right. it's a lot of fun. And the Tuesday night market in Hillsboro is kind of like a community farmer market. So it's kind of like half farmer market, half people in the community who make and sell things. And, and they have some entertainment and stuff like that. Yeah, there, so it's yeah. half market, half entertainment, and half party. So that's, that's right. three halves make a whole. There's definitely a party component yeah. more to the Tuesday market than like the Saturday market. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. There's always a band. And right. We try to post up right on the corner of 2nd Main with a bunch of cool cars and, right. and talk to a lot of people. Right down by off. the Civic Center. and Yeah. And Adam, what is it that you do? I do commercial photography. So my biggest thing is creating marketing assets for businesses to promote who they are, what they are, what they do, and the products that they sell. That's kind of the easiest way to explain it. Too often when I say those words, people are like, so do you do this? Like, no. And do you do this? No. Uh, it really comes down to, I help a business connect with their customers through visuals is how it uh, basically boils down. Right. So with helping a business with their visuals and stuff like that, it's not just buildings and people, is it? You can go to events like the Saturday market and actually get a feel of what's happening in or at the event, right? Correct. And that's one of the things that I do on the side, too, is also shooting a lot of events. It's actually how I started off as a professional photographer. I used to shoot a lot of bands and it got to be corporate events when I started working for bigger companies. When I worked for the chamber, I was covering all of their events. And now that I'm off on my own, that's also what I do for healthcare groups. So I, I do work with the OPCA, which is the Oregon Primary Care Association. So it's a group of clinics and physicians and nurses that are basically trying to fix the problems with healthcare on their side and so they're trying to figure out the things like how to get people access how to keep in touch with people how to improve service and they're doing that all on their own and whenever there's instances where there is maybe some legislation that's actually getting away from them doing that that's when they actually say hey legislators we need you to do this so that we can do our job and then I also do work with Health Gen YZ, which is a group that advocates health care for teenagers and just school age.
age kids and so that way they get access to health care and how they can also take responsibility for their own health care and reaching out to groups and clinics and how to get that service in school instead of having to go, well, I need to take time off from school so I can go. They're trying to work at getting that integrated into the school themselves. And so that group, they help promote other groups that do work. So one of them is OSBHA, and that's another group that is trying to work with students to help get healthcare. So especially in this area, we have some schools that are not so well off as others. And what they're trying to do is bring healthcare into that. So there's kids that go to school hungry because they don't get enough food at home and so they're trying to do the same thing with healthcare. Well, so that's where what I do as a photographer where I'm working with events and trying to promote what these people do so that people know what they do and so that way they can get sponsorships, help people understand what they do and get more community action in that. So that's, I mean those are community action groups like specifically labeled community action groups and there's a lot more to working in and with your community than working with someone who is a like 501c3 nonprofit group that specifically works with the community and I'm not saying there's anything against working with those but there's a difference between working with your community as in I work with charities that work in the community and working with your community as in just the people who live here, right? And I think both of those things are equally important. And so something like Josh was talking about doing markets and yeah. stuff like that and going out and meeting people and sponsoring bands and, and things like that. It's just as important, I mean, as important for your business. I mean, obviously having a band is not as important as, you know, a teenage kid getting access to healthcare, but those are two separate things. Yeah. And doing one doesn't mean you, you have to mutually exclusively do that. I mean, you could do both, right? Yeah, so when it comes to that, so we sponsor the Tuesday Night Market again, and our banner is up there behind the band when they play, and that's all great, as long as you combine it with an actual group of people who are representing the organization and having good conversations and showing up and showing out and looking good and being nice and helpful. Because if you don't have that, I mean, a sign is great, Sponsorships are great. Having logos everywhere is great. But if you don't have something to back it up, when people actually come in the door, it, it gets a little hollow, I right. think. Mm -hmm. So but part of the whole business model for us, and I work out of the fleet work truck department, so I go to a lot of other organizations. But the idea is building relationships with contractors, building relationships with business owners, and it's trust. I mean, at the end of the day, most people aren't going to buy a car or a big work truck or make that kind of big purchase just on a whim. Like, oh, yeah, you know, they see a flyer and they're going to covet and spend $85,000 on a flatbed, whatever. Well, there is a level of trust that goes along with, let me back up a step about trust, because trust is an important thing in sales. It's yeah. Basically everything. So the people think that the amount of trust that someone needs to spend $12 at a restaurant is less than the amount of trust that they need to buy a $60,000 work truck. But it turns out when you survey people and you've kind of researched these things that it's not much different. The amount of trust that you need to buy the work truck is uh, marginally more. So it's essentially binary than, ones and zeros. You trust them or right. you don't. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's it's. Do you have trust that you're going to get what you ask for yeah. from the product or service that you want? You're going to be satisfied with it. You have some kind of return capacity or something, right? Like I can, if, if there's a problem, you're going to fix it. Whereas if it's a restaurant, maybe I can send my meal back and they'll remake it or whatever, or I could just not go there again. You yeah. can do that if it's a $12 plate of food. You can't do that with a work truck necessarily, but. So I guess the whole battle right. is to be on the right side of the yes or no, right. do you trust me? It is. And, and seems easy, the, 
beyond branding, you were saying that branding can seem hollow, and it's absolutely true. You have to have authentic, real community support and honesty and trust and service all have to be behind your brand or your brand is worthless. It's just a logo at that point. Yeah, there's some anti-marketing that can occur. I mean, yeah. even if you are spending a lot of money to be in these sponsorship positions, I mean, I'm not going to reiterate what I just said, but we call it right. anti-marketing. Best foot forward versus anti-marketing. And you can take all of that initial investment and time and energy put into getting your logo out everywhere, but it can be right. quickly forgotten or associated with something that you don't want it to be right. just, you know, in a snap. So. Right. so that's something that I think both of you do really well because you are in the community and you're both always putting your best foot forward. Like if I need information about something, I go to Adam because he's the guy, right? He's my guy when it comes to technology and just what's happening, what's going on, or what's the new cool thing out in this realm, right? And if I need to talk to somebody, if I need to like, hey, who does this? Then I go to Josh, because you guys are both involved in the community enough and you've put it out there enough that people know you need you have a tech question, Adam's probably your guy to go, go to to talk to about that. If you need to know somebody like who's in the city doing this or this or whatever the case is, then you go to Josh. Yeah, and conversely, I use you guys the same way. I trust you for a lot of things too. That's a terrible mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just yeah, I'm sort of building a body of evidence that that's it right. is a terrible mistake. It is. So, I'd like to contribute to that. That's, that's me. That's right. The community involvement goes a little bit beyond, I think, just which charities I support or which events I support. And I think it kind of comes down to that interpersonal help that we're talking about right now. Like I can go, just like Jeremy is saying, I can go and ask a question to, you know, one of you guys and other people, other business owners know that you know that because you network with them in both personal and a business setting. And you get to have that kind of know, like, and trust factor. Like they talk about a lot in like BNI and other networking groups. And that is building a community, right? It's building a community of business owners and managers and people who work inside those, I'd like call them like business professionals that can count on each other to have their back when they need something, right? And that's so important because from a standpoint of work that we do specifically, a good example is we had a person that we know through networking who their office, or it's a clinic, specifically works with children, and their website had gotten infected with pornography. So that's bad, obviously. But the first thing that she did is said, I know somebody who can fix this, and she called me, and we had it cleaned up in minutes. So if she did not have that community of business people to pull from, right? Just like the same thing, somebody had done some vandalism on the back of their building, which doesn't look professional when clients come because the parking's behind the building. She was able to, you know, call one of the people we know that does painting. They can come out, they can do it. She knows insurance people and all these things, right? It all comes from the business community. Yeah, it's an interesting safety net a little bit too. Keeps you from feeling stranded in situations that you don't really have control over. On this side of town, we have quite a diverse cultural community. And between Beaverton and Hillsborough, it is probably by far more integrated in the respect that we have so many different types of cultural communities. But the big thing that uh, I see as one of the challenges, and I've seen just working at the chamber, that those communities still tend to work with each other, you know, solely. Like they, if you're in the Korean community, you only deal with other Koreans. If you're Indian or Hispanic, you only work with those communities. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that, if I remember right, from one of the on topics with the mayor of Hillsborough and the mayor of Portland, 
that it's actually one of the things that Hillsborough is actually doing very well and trying to bring those people into the fold and stop, you know, having like these separations that if you're living in this area, you're all one community and you need to, you know, act like that and treat each other as such where Portland is still very divided, even yeah, though they still pretty you, segregated when you go to like some of the events and stuff in Portland and I don't want to call out any specific events, but I went to a business event for a prominent group in Portland and like it was all people my age and older who were white, right? Yeah. I mean, basically. But in Hillsborough, I mean, you don't see that as much, but then there are some communities that get together because maybe they have a cultural or a religious thing that they all agree on and maybe it might be a language barrier. Those things are kind of difficult barriers to overcome in community, but it also, again, doesn't mean that they have to be exclusive. Just like when we were talking about business networking, when we had Ryan Corbridge on, I think it was episode seven, we talked about, he was talking about women's business networking groups. Well, just because women go to a women's networking group doesn't mean they can't also go to another separate networking group, right? right? And because you go to maybe your church group or your Hispanic group or whatever it is, you can also go to a chamber meeting or a BNI meeting or, you know, some other kind of networking. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the huge advantages in Hillsboro is just that, how I'm going to name two entities, the city of Hillsboro and the Chamber of Commerce in Hillsboro here, which we're all very familiar with. They do a great job of taking, like, you know, separate communities, empowering them, doing big events around them that add to, like, the fabric of the overall community. Which, if we're talking about community engagement and marketing and, you know, generating sales at the end of the day, the fact that those two, the, the city and the chamber, are bringing them all together just provides more opportunity to be that person in the community where when they're separated and, you know, everybody's kind of in their own corner, like Portland a little bit, it's harder to do that. I mean, yeah. we, it's all in kind of one pot here. And we're and all I just you know, swimming around in it, yeah. doing Personally, business. Personally, right? I haven't traveled that extensively in the United States. I mean, I've done a lot of West Coast travel, you know, a little bit, a little bit of East Coast stuff, but because I'm from Canada, right? But I don't think that the community you get in Hillsboro is very reflective of how things are in other places. I think like you were saying, other places are generally a little bit more separated communities, but there are I mean, there's pockets inside of those communities also. Like I used to live in a, in a large city in Canada and there was large groups of people that were industry groups where you would go in and it's all men, it's all white and everybody's over 40. But there was other groups that it was completely integrated and, and nobody cared about it. And, and those separations seem to have been kind of more historical really than anything, yeah. right? Like it was always an old <clears throat> white guy business. So now it's still an old white guy business versus startup groups and stuff like that. Everybody would get together. Nobody cared who anybody was. Yeah, I come from a background of old white guy stuff. Well, the car world. Is. Well, <laughs> so I'm fairly new to the car world, and that is right. too. I mean, but a lot of it's self-selecting. And right. if nobody does anything about it, then there you are. I come from a commercial construction, a nonprofit political sort of background where right. we used to say stale, male, and pale is how we like our board of directors. <laughs> Not how we like it, but how it always ends up. That's how it ends up. But it's a self-selecting deal if you don't it focus is. on it. And Hillsborough does a heck of a job. I've been around a lot of places, well, most places you don't have a focus on right. inclusion. It's just kind of like we're all just going to stay in our corners. Yeah, and it's, and it's too bad because there's so much to be learned from working with other cultures and other communities. I mean, we run a marketing agency, right? So we get a look into different industries that most people don't get. A lot of cases we get to see like their books, their sales, who their customers are, all these kind mm -hmm. of things we have access to. And 
when we look at stuff, we can say, okay, this is working really well in the car dealership world. This could also work in the real estate world, or this works in the real estate world, but the way that they're doing lead generation would work really good for a dentist. There's these kind of cross-disciplinary, cross-agency, you know, type things that can be done. And the same learning happens when you go cross-culturally. So maybe there's (laughs) something that's happening in a certain cultural group where they're expanding their group really quickly and they're doing things that are really effective to maybe make their own group more inclusive that maybe we could take that and use it in a BNI group or a other business networking group or a chapter or so there's there's ways that you can do things that you don't learn because you're stuck with the stale male and pale <laughs> right <laughs> who all just know if they just go to the golf club and talk to each other yeah. and go hit a couple balls around and have a couple drinks at the clubhouse that they're doing business deals that nobody else has access to right and access is another good point right there's it's a ton of it. really hard to break an access barrier. Like, sure, anybody can go join the golf club if you've got $36,000 to blow for the year, which almost no one has. But pretty much anybody could afford to go to a free networking group. As long as you can put on clothes and get a bus ticket, you can go to a networking group. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say. <laughs> I, was just, I just had to think about it. You're like, well. I was putting the puzzle together in the my head. The putting on thought, clothes yeah. part was the hard part. Getting a bus ticket. Okay, I can do that from my phone. Don't know how to get a bus ticket. That whole, like, getting dressed thing to leave the house. Yeah, wearing pants is a, it's kind of mandatory. That's why I work remotely, people. That's, um, why, that's why we do this podcast, yeah. right, guys? That's right. <laughs> oh, wait. We're video recording this today. Shoot. Congratulations. The jig is up. Uh, it's, it's, it's above table level, so. <laughs> yeah, you can cut it off could by be. here, right? That's right. Um, I'm not wearing any pants film at 11. <laughs> well, I can say uh, I've, I've traveled all over the United States, and I, I kid you not, from one coast to another. Originally, I'm from Maine, went to basic training in Oklahoma, got stationed in Texas, went to Louisiana, Mississippi, lived in Florida, been to California many times, you know, just for business and pleasure, you know, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and then all states in between. I've also been to Alaska and around the Pacific Rim and specifically been to like Japan, Philippines, and Guam and Hawaii. And one of the things that I always tend to do, especially when I go to foreign countries, is uh, I don't go to the tourist spots. I, I get away from the people who look like me, but also I'm conscious about trying to learn about what these other communities are like even if it's just little bits of language, little bits of culture. I've always found that they open doors for me. And so there was a time when I was in Guam and we were in Tumon Bay and most of the white people will sit down in the Tumon Bay because it's, it's like Vegas. And so it's very comfortable and very, it's very familiar. But then when you head up on top of the hill where it's more of the locals, it's not so glitz and glamorous. And so they tend to stay away from that. Well, me, I, I always like to, if I'm in another country, I want to know what's there. I want to know what they're doing, what they're like, um, what's familiar to them, what they like doing, and and I have a better experience from it. And so I went to this bar and I ordered one drink. And people noticed that I was there and they're like, and they look at me like, hey, you, you're not the kind of person we're used to having around here. But then I just, you know, started engaging them, talking about things and trying to learn things and asking questions. And like they had a buffet there and they were serving this, it was like, chicken wings in this lemon jalapeno broth and it had like daikon in it i'm in and yep. yeah, it was good and um and i i still make it today but that was one of those conversation stars i'm like tell me about this uh, you know this looks interesting yeah. and that was the last drink i bought that whole night everybody else just kind of like crowded around me and they were buying me drinks and i was just asking them about like you know what's it like living here you know tell me about yourself 
And by the time I left, it was like kind of like a cheers environment, you know, like Norm. And I like doing that wherever I go because I I always turn everything into a learning experience. And so even if I'm going out into downtown uh, Hillsborough, you know, like even M&M Market, it's not, they look at me, but then once I start talking with them, there's a bit of familiarity there because I'm I'm asking them about themselves. I'm trying to learn about them or I understand, you know, some of the menu items and we're talking about stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm used to having it like this or, you know, this is just like, you know, the place I went to in uh, Nueva Luevo in Texas. And they're like, oh, you know, they're just shocked that I have actually done something like that. And just the other day when I was um, photographing some food for a Korean restaurant and the chef, he doesn't really speak English that well, but we we got to talking about food items and I was looking at things and and I was able to pick out like certain ingredients or like how they're made and to actually just kind of talk shop with him and he was surprised that I actually understood those things and his barrier to me started dropping and he started engaging me more and started talking more and then even when we started talking about like things not related to, to that like when we were talking about like you know I noticed hey you got some chili oil in this and I make my own and I use like huajiao and put in Chinese five spice and he just he looked at me shocked like not only that I make my own but I know what huajiao is and that I put it in a chili oil and so, so we're not then so he's different like, you and I yeah, yeah then, right. he, then he starts you know like oh here try this try this or you know and he's like oh yeah I make this other special thing that's and awesome. so then we start you know collaborating and and becoming friends and and i always have this theory that a stranger is just a friend i haven't made yet right and there's a thing about breaking down barriers food is especially a great way to break down barriers right food or a drink or whatever right just have so you can sit and have a conversation at least start a conversation with somebody there's another thing that I think especially, I mean, we're talking about breaking down barriers as we sit in a room of all older white guys, right? I so, resent that yeah, I also right. resent the older part. But it is true, part. right? Yeah. Okay, so you're all younger than I am. But I'm 24. That's right. You're 24, man. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I was. What other people may have an issue with is something that's not an issue generally for us or people like us, I'll put that in quotes, is that they may not feel safe or even actually be safe going into an environment like a bar full of men if they're, you know, a young woman who's maybe, you know, in a minority group who maybe doesn't speak English very well, going into an environment of all old white men probably doesn't feel safe, right? And we need to be conscious of that and welcoming to those people, uh, even more welcoming to them to say, hey, you know, hey, let me introduce you to some people. Let's, you know, have a conversation. And I'm not saying that you should treat people differently, but I'm saying you should be conscious of maybe the barriers to entry that they have so that they can become in part of the group. And because honestly, like I was saying, I mean, any time that you can make your group or business networking group or whatever it is, your community more accessible and more friendly and more safe for people, it's better for everyone, right? Yeah. I would just like to say, Matt, congratulations on being the first person to notice that podcasts are just white guys. Right. I think that's the first time that's ever been mentioned. I'm kidding. <laughs> of course. Um, but Strangely. accessible instead of, I thought you were going to go a different way, but you ended it with accessible, which I think is just the perfect yeah. encompassing word. The other thing, talking about podcasts and internet and, and places where you can work that people can't see you, there is still an element of, I don't know what I would call it, almost like inferred or implied racism and that kind of goes back to studies where they took the exact same resume for two people 
but there was the same resume and one of them they would make the name john smith and the other one would be like philip jackson or something right and and the people who had names that sounded more white got more calls Mm -hmm. right and that happens i think more than you would think and for some people it might be a subconscious trigger or something like that but we need to also be thinking about those things right if i'm going to take in job applications for people maybe at you know if you're at the Carter dealership and you've got to figure out which of these people can I interview because I've only got so much time I got 300 applications I can interview 10 of them yeah you know then and I do I actually do a lot of resume review and hiring and it's I mean just like anybody you see all the resumes you weigh all the stuff and you do have to run through the equation of it's just a natural thing and there may be there's ways (laughs) around that I mean some some larger corporations have done like HR stuff where they redact the Anonymous. name, age, yeah. gender of the person, you yeah. know, before. And so you can just see their experience and their education, I would prefer that. stuff yeah. like that. Well, yeah. there's <clears throat> something else they're trying to perpetuate. And I, and I actually like the idea of it better because there are people who go to school and do very well and go out there and do very well at that job while there's others. And it's kind of and like Matt, you and I have talked about this, like the 10 percent rule. 10% of any group is going to be the high performers of anything, no matter what. There's also going to be the 10% of the a-holes in that, you know, right. that more, are going to be It's bad. more like 20. Usually it follows yeah. the 80-20 curve, right? But they're, they're finding that, you know, there's also people who have never gone to school, who have just done book learning or YouTube learning, and they are just masters of what they do. Well, how do you, how do you look at a resume between these two and say which one's the best, when if you actually did something more, you know, of a qualification which one would do better and there's some new education groups that are coming out who are talking about the problems with the education system particularly secondary and graduate school is that just because you have that degree you could have been the valedictorian or you could have been the guy that barely passed but you still get the same degree and so they're talking about i mean if you barely passed to get your phd you're still pretty Smart. But, what yeah. are they called? Right. I mean, I mean you've, who, you've got, got over the bar, the past, right? Doctor, right. doctor. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. The, the medical student who graduated last in his class yeah. is still called doctor. A what doctor, was the other Doctor Marcotte. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> what do you call the lawyer who graduated last in their class? Judge. <laughs> <laughs> Don't arrest me, just for in case you see me at court someday. But what they're looking to do I'm is sure you did great in lawyer school. <laughs> We're proud of you. We're proud of you. We're very Good proud of job. you. But the thing they're looking to do is actually change out degrees for qualifications. And so when you do a qualification, like I actually have to do next week for, I have to retake my drone certification, is that they're actually going to do certifications instead of degrees. And people say, well, you still have to take tests to get your degree. It's like, well, here's the other part that they want to add to that is actually add a certification level. So if you answered so many things correctly, you get this level. If you answer so many things that, you know, correctly, you get this level. And so then, you know, especially in technology, then you can say, oh, this person is a certified level four in this. Well, this person is a certified level two. I want the four and then maybe for another job, well, I have something where I need to pay less and I don't need somebody as skilled, I can just hire a level two. Yeah. Right. Just taking out the whole equation of taking out like the graduated from Washington State University with yeah. a degree in this, right? So let's bring it back around a little bit. And what, what were we talking about? Community so, involvement. Oh, perfect. And sales. <laughs> yeah. And so we've got kind of a, a, a good mix here, right? So we've got Adam Show owns his own business. He's basically a solopreneur, right? 
I own my own business, but I have employees. You work in a larger organization, mm -hmm. and Jeremy works in a smaller organization. And I have like a million side gigs. Right. And all of us- You are a hustler. All of us have community involvement that we do that helps us generate sales. So I think maybe a kind of a quick once around of the size of your organization and then maybe some tips on what you do for community involvement that you think can help other people who are in the same position as you. And we'll start with Josh. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so what'd you say? Size of organization? So yeah, like how many people does your company employ? You said about 300. Yeah. So right? about and you're in there. 300 people in Hillsboro. I'm an anomaly in the car industry, but I'm lucky to be in that position as just a person that doesn't actively A to B sell a car to somebody right. at a car dealership. But what we pitched when we initially about 18 months ago started the fleet department, my partner in crime, Brad, pitched to Scott and Shannon Inukai that Look, it's tough to crack into. It takes a while to build, which is not something that people in the auto industry want to hear. It's right. like, what have you done for me? How many, how many cars have you sold me today? Right. Which I get it. But they bought in, which was the first sign that they're thinking outside the box and how they want to market and, and be engaged and actually boost sales. So the business model from the jump was Brad's a product expert. I've spent a lot of time working through community organizations, construction trade associations, chambers of commerce, and it is, here's the tip to anybody going out there thinking of putting this as part of their business model. Whoever you put out there has to be consistent, helpful, and consistent, and helpful, <laughs> and consistent. Right. I mean, it, it takes time, but in my old life, in the construction trade association, auto dealerships with fleet teams would join my construction group to network with contractors. And they join, they pay hundreds or thousands of dollars sometimes, come to one or two networking events, and then at the end of the year, not renew ago, I got nothing out of it. But if they yeah. held on for that 13th, 14th but month. When they do, yeah, when they hit that 18 month mark, the people that stuck it out consistently, I would see just the worm turns, right? And then contractors know them, they've seen them, it's repeated. I mean, what do they say? It takes seven touches or nine touches or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, in various ways to sell a product. Right. It's about 20 something. Now. Sure, yeah, probably. We actually did an episode on that. That makes sense. Yeah. It was that it would be a more person person and you'll actually find this interesting, I think. Google followed online a person who had no idea what car they wanted to buy and how many touches it was from all of the car companies and oh, everything yeah. combined before they made the purchase. And each touch being like, went to a website, looked at an image, looked at, watched a video, whatever. And it was 900. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I believe it. It's an amazing amount of touches. And that doesn't include like, hey, I want to go test drive this car. Maybe this car is cool. So how many times did you get contacted right. by the actual dealership? The phone yeah. calls. And, and stuff like and, and by contacted, I mean hounded by that hungry, hungry car <laughs> salesman. Yeah, it comes at you from all directions. That's for sure. Okay, yeah. so let me ask you this. Yeah. So you sell fleet vehicles, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff that's similar equipment that is a large dollar purchase, but is also a depreciating asset yeah. for the company. Mm -hmm. So it's not, they're not purchasing outright and the money's gone because they still own the asset. So that could be farm equipment, could be boats, trailers, trucks, all kinds of stuff, even mm -hmm. like sheds and shipping containers and all these things are all kind of fall into that sure. same category. Yeah. So how do you figure out the trade associations you should go to or what groups you should go to? Yeah, I'm fortunate because I come from that background. So I kind of had a good idea. But we started off with home builders, uh, associated general contractors, home builders in Vancouver, 
plumbing, heating, and cooling contractors, the Hillsborough Chamber of Commerce, Vancouver Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, that's Vancouver, Washington. Vancouver, Washington, yeah. I didn't go all the way to British Columbia for a, a breakfast maybe ever. Maybe should. But maybe I should. It's very nice. I'll, I'll go with I'll take that under advisement. But so it was, we had a scope, we had a business model, and I was fortunately a person with the experience and saw what it took to be successful, and that's be of service, serve on committees, serve on boards. Three of us in this room, Matt and Jeremy, are chamber ambassadors, which means we help new chamber members find their spot within the chamber and grow their business. But I am now the chair of the public policy committee for the chamber because I have that background and I use that to my advantage. I'm on several committees with the Associated General Contractors. Additionally, we sponsor a lot of stuff like golf tournaments and just to perpetuate visibility and it's starting to pay off. But what was the original question? So just like what, how do people find those types of groups? Oh yeah, it's probably not easy, which is probably why most people right. in my industry don't do it. Uh, so we had this inherent advantage, and again, credit to to Dick's Auto Group for recognizing right. it and and leaning into it. And it's, I think, well, I would like to say that it's paying off. I think our fleet department is high performing at this point, and we just hit the 18 month mark, right. which we didn't promise a single dollar until now. We just started way faster, so it's exciting. All right, and so. Go where the people that you want right. to sell things to are. And I mean, something that you could probably do is type in the name of your industry. So say you're selling farm equipment, expensive tractors and things. I mean, those things are unbelievably expensive. Ridiculous. And, but if you put in like farm trade groups, whatever the people grow in your area, maybe see if there's an association for that. Yeah. You know, the, I don't know, Wheat Growers Association or there's something like that, right? I'm sure there is. Find out what those things are. Find out if you can go to them. Find out if they have boards of directors or other groups that you can meet with. It's a great way to do it, I think. It is, if you have the, the leeway to do so. And for every industry or every niche you can think of, there's an association or 50. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it takes some time to weed that out, I think. But, you know, ours was an easy one. We have work trucks. People that buy those are people that build stuff and grow stuff. So go where they are and be of service. So builders and marijuana farmers. That's it. In yeah, Oregon, uh, that's pretty much well, it no, at it this point. Mostly builders. Mostly um, builders. I don't know what our, our marijuana farmer uh, you, sales rate is at this you point. You going to go to the Marijuana Trade Association? They're, there they're is one. Actually, you about I have no sure. comment. <laughs> no comment, but I might be there. And so, again, that was Matt. That's right. <laughs> I don't want to get you fired or anything. Was that, that, that'd be great if you could go ahead and not get me fired yeah, that's on right. the podcast. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> it would be so appreciative. There's a big joke that goes around every year on Facebook that 421 is National Random Drug Testing Day. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the topic again. So we're talking about ways that, like, kind of suggestions for other people in similar business structures. So, Adam, you're a solo entrepreneur, basically. You own your own company. You don't have any employees, right? It's just you. Correct. I don't know if you farm stuff anything out or anything but so how do you think people in your situation can find ways to work with the community i would say if you're looking to work with the community as a business you got to find where those overlaps are you know basically where those intersections are and so for me because i do events one of the things i do is try to find events that need coverage and sometimes that can be a little challenging because the ones that are undercover you don't know about because it's hard to find them because they're undercover but uh, sometimes you can just go to communities or just find something that's personal to you me i just happened to get into the the healthcare gig just because i responded to certain things and talked to people and I, and i do have 
somewhat of a moderate medical background from when I was in the military. I did have to do, you know, combat medic, and we always had to do recertification. I have friends that are in the medical industry. One of my buddies that I was in the Army with, he used to go around and inspect hospitals uh, to make sure that they were, you know, doing things right and clean and doing things correctly. So you're talking about pulling from your personal network. Correct. And so when I talk with them, I can identify with them on what they're doing. Granted, working with some of the healthcare organizations I do, part of that too is I also understand policies too. Not that I'm huge into politics, but I understand, I try to figure out where the problems are and where they lie. It's just an, you know my nature. And so when I talk with these organizations, I can identify with the issues that they're having, but do it from the perspective of how can I help you get your message out? And so that's through uh, myself doing photos, doing videos, and helping to capture what that is and try to communicate what they're doing specifically so that they can get that message out to other people. So like the different organizations, even though they're healthcare, each one has a different segment that they're dealing with, that little piece of the pie of that overall healthcare that they need to say here here's where we occupy and this is what we're trying to do and get that out to the larger uh, audience and sometimes like what I'm doing now is trying to connect each one of those with each other because as I've been working with them and listening more to their marketing people and their directors and I hear I'm like oh you know that's that overlaps this other group that I work with and so I'm trying to make those connections so they work with each other and so they can use other people's networks. It's just the basic, you know, networking template. So to take the industry out of it, someone should use their personal network to find out if those people know of organizations or other businesses that maybe are a good fit for your company and then be the connector between those people so that they could work with each other. Yeah, just like uh, what Josh was saying was, you know, they have fleet sales. What are the groups that use those type of products? And then that really helps narrow down right. like here, here's the groups Just that I need to backwards. go after. Yeah. And sometimes they have subgroups that are very large. And if you can get into those and talk with those people, they can start pointing you around like, oh, so-and-so just bought a new farm and they need a whole bunch of new equipment or this one, this one's been operating for a while and they're now booming. And so now they can replace all their stuff. Yeah, so you can drill down a bit on once you've made those connections, you can drill down on what their needs are and stuff. And you'd be like, so are you a marijuana farmer? Do you need a truck? I'm just kidding about You know people marijuana. grow other stuff than marijuana, right? <laughs> Not in Oregon. Well, <laughs> well what is it? One it's, wheat farm here. It's, it's, it's marijuana. And wheat. Marijuana okay. and tulips. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. like And grass. And, well, well the that's other true. Grass. They, and they, they, oh, yeah, there's two kinds of grass growing uh, in Oregon right now. Uh, Eastern Oregon grows all of the actual like crops. Grain. Grain right. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Grain and corn. And that's where they had an ethanol plant for a while. All right, so Jeremy, you work with Hook SEO, right? I, yes. uh, but your role is, I mean, you're a project manager, you do a lot of sales work and a lot of networking work. What would be for someone working inside of a smaller organization, what do you think would be a good advice for them? So I think the best thing that you can do is hope that you have a really active chamber of commerce. And yeah, that's actually them. probably pretty rare. So it is, yeah, it, it is very rare. We're we're kind of spoiled in Hillsboro, yeah, big time. Even you know, a couple of towns over, the Chamber of Commerce is completely different, and it you know it is what it is. But so hope you have a good Chamber of Commerce. Well, and or, size doesn't always equate to a better Chamber because there's a point once it gets too big, it's no longer really a Chamber of Commerce. It's more of like a place for large corporations to just throw money at. Yeah, it's the Chamber of Politics. Chamber Correctly. of Politics. <laughs> But I don't think there's anything wrong with chambers being in politics either, because they're, if they're advocating for the business, for the small guy, 
I think that's great. But so, okay, to back up, I think they need to be involved in the Chamber of Commerce because even if the Chamber is not necessarily going to directly help them in their business and get them into the right communities, they're going to meet somebody or that Chamber can point them in the right direction to meet people to help them actually get involved in the community. Yeah, you can meet other business owners. and Right, because the, the, the Chambers, most of their missions is community, right? So they're trying to help grow the community, to be involved in the community in, in some way or another. So I think that's a really good start. And if you can't find one, if you're not fortunate enough to have one that does it, go there and start your own community. Take the initiative, and if there's not something, if they're not doing a weekly thing to get people together in the same room and learn about different people and different businesses, cultures, or otherwise, start it. Yeah, that's a good point because and that's something that our company did also is we just we wanted another networking group kind of in a different part of town that we thought was a bit underserved, and so mm. we just made one. Here's the this barrier. Is South Hillsboro, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so the barrier to entry of starting your own networking group is saying. We're a networking group. Nailed it. That's it. Congratulations. Maybe having a place to meet, right? Yeah. You can pretty much always find a place to meet. And if you're having trouble finding a place to meet, actually, a good place to start is the Chamber of Commerce, yeah. for one, but also going through and looking at where other networking groups meet. So you can go on Eventbrite or Meetup, and you can see where all the other places meet and be like, can I meet at this same place these guys are meeting at? Maybe they meet at a local coffee shop, or maybe they meet at like the back room of a restaurant has a room for parties and stuff that they don't use during the day, and you could go meet there. Or I know that some groups meet at like a restaurant, and the only thing that the restaurant asks is that each person orders a meal. And so that's like the cost of the networking group is going to have lunch, you know, or Mm -hmm. breakfast or whatever. As a business owner myself, who also has employees, so we have like a slightly larger business than like Adam has, because it's it's him specifically. And then for us, there's two owners and we have six employees and we have outsourced things. And, you know, so, so there's more to it. We have seen, I would say, I don't want to put an exact number to it, but a reasonable amount of growth in our business came from splitting the networking tasks up from just being the owner going to saying, I want more than one member of my staff going to different networking groups. And we were able to have like Paige, she goes to a women's networking group, it's WIN, Women in Networking, that we don't necessarily have access to, right? Mm -hmm. And Jeremy goes to a different BNI group than I go to. We have somebody who goes to uh, Darcy Edwards group to Rise and Grind. So by having the employees empowered to go out and talk to people and be in the community and they can speak for us and speak for our company and everybody's basically, you know, on message and on point and understands what it is that we do, we can cast a much wider net and also be more involved in more ways. So if somebody comes to me and says, hey, we need some dollars because we're going to go and do this charity thing. I can be like, yeah, here, here's the money you need to go do this event or whatever it is. And they can do it. And I don't even necessarily have to be involved. Mm -hmm. Right. And at the same time, I can be at a different group that maybe is somebody that I speak better to, you know, than my employees do. Right. So other business owners, sometimes, especially in more technical fields, it gets difficult because people don't understand what you do. So that's a good spot for me to talk to them versus, you know, somebody who may not be as technically fluent talking to people who are in engineering or something like right. that. So to so, be honest, nobody can really talk to an engineer besides for an engineer. That's true. <laughs> like, let's just 
get that out on the table. Right. And I'm by no means an engineer, but I've worked in software engineering groups, so I, I understand that language. I if you had to. That's right. I could be on TV and I could talk programmer talk. I have a face well, even, for radio. I'm going to stay here. Well, even uh, mechanical engineering, when I worked at Leupold, I had to work with the engineers. And even before that, when I was a freelancer, I used to work with companies like Yakima, and they worked with a design firm called Fiori. And... One of my biggest jobs was taking what the engineer said and translate it into, well, English. Right. <laughs> and it's true. And that's a whole other episode another time is, is about how do we speak the language of our customers, right? But I think this is probably a good stopping point for us today. And being involved in the community in various ways, whether it's personally involved in the community for like directly to consumers, whether it's business to business networking, if it's networking with charities and nonprofits and groups and events. And so all of those things are fantastic to do, but they're also also in, in combination, they have an effect that is larger than the sum of its parts, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. So thank you guys yeah. for coming in today and, and having this chat with us. I look forward to getting to know both of you more and getting to know more about your businesses and what you guys do in the community. So quickly, awesome. thank you. if someone wanted to reach out to you, maybe they're interested in car or fleet sales, how would they do that? Yeah, fleet, F-L-E-E-T, at dicksautogroup.com. We'll get to the right spot. It's Josh or Brad. We'll take care of you. Perfect. Adam? Uh, right now, you can get a hold of me at adam at newworldindustries.com. And if you ever want to see what I do, you can jump on the Flickr and look for NWI Photo. And you'll basically see a lot of stuff that I have going on. And I am on uh, Facebook, too. So that's been getting pegged quite a bit. And eventually, I will get a website done. <laughs> some right. All right, guys. So have a great week. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt Rouse and Jeremy Markoff. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next time as we talk about how companies can prime their customers to take action in different situations with Michelle DeLude of Destinations Hypnosis. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.